Are you kidding? If I had that little lighty thing, I would be tangled in it. And I'd fall down the stairs. And I'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> I, uh, I was trying to figure out how to work in a, uh, a joke about tea coming out of my nose at the same time. But I, I couldn't quite do it. Uh, but I'm sure something will, some, something will come spurting out at some point. All right, let's, uh, by the way, uh, he is risen. I got to get that in as many times as possible uh, before uh, I can't say it anymore. And I, I uh, am going to move this stuff so it's not in front of the projector, which uh, I have done enough times that I know. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we gather this morning to praise you for the the glorious gift uh, that you gave us on on Easter morning uh, so many years ago that that our Savior, that our Lord uh, rose from the dead. Um, not only did he did he defeat de- death and and our vic- excuse me, not only did he defeat our sin, not only did he redeem us and ransom us from from uh, from death, uh, from our own sin, from our own um, fallenness, Lord, but that he rose again. Um, I praise you this morning that we get to get to proclaim his victory. Um, I pray that you'd be with me as I uh, as I preach the word, Lord, uh, that I wouldn't take so long that the pancakes got cold, um, but also that that folks would hear from you that that we would be filled with joy over the knowledge of our risen Savior, that we would be um, um, inspired and and uh, driven to praise. Uh, and grateful for the gift that you give us uh, in Christ on this morning. Amen. I, uh, he is risen. Okay, just going to do that a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, I actually, Titus, put your foot down. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to start, we've been doing Easter in the Old Testament for the last uh, month. And I, I'm going to start there, but I'm going to start in the least likely uh, place I could think of. Uh, we're going to start with uh, David and Goliath, because David and Goliath is one of those stories, number one, that has very little to do with Easter, and number two, it is one of the most abused texts in the scripture, and, and I think the way it's abused misses the point. Um, it is a very popular thing to take the book, the story of David and Goliath, and turn it into a story about us, and it is in a way, right? Um, because the story of David and Goliath, like for those of y'all who don't know it, um, the, the Philistine army had showed up to fight against Israel, and Israel is there, and they, um, like, because manpower is an important thing, those of you all who work on farms maybe understand that if, like, most of your farm labor goes and fights and dies, then there's nobody to bring in the, the, the crops, right? And then you have to have more kids, so you've got farm hands. Um, and, and so uh, the... the uh, common practice during the day was you would send out a champion who would fight for you. And, and for the Philistines, they sent out this guy, Goliath, who was Andre the Giant, only bigger and meaner. Um, he was huge. He was tough. And everybody in the Israeli camp, like the Israelites, are there. And um, they say, all right, well, here's our champion. You send anyone to fight him. And nobody is half this guy's size. And so they are cowering in the camp, terrified. And day after day, Goliath, like Andre the Giant in the Bible, shows up and says, come fight me. Anyone, 
anyone come fight me. And he mocks God and he mocks the Israelites. And then David, who is a boy, right, shows up and he says, who is this guy that he thinks he can talk about our God that way? And, and he, through a series of events, ends up going out and fighting Goliath, right? And we all know the story. You know, he takes his sling and he takes his stone and he hits the guy between the eyes and he goes down and then he chops his head off and he leads the army into battle against the Philistines because they're so inspired by the victory that they charge in and fight. Um, and a lot of times it is very popular to preach this text as though you can face your Goliath in life. Is that camera still pointed the right way? Titus, go sit somewhere else. Um, no, go. Um, it is a very popular thing to preach this text as though it's about us. Like, you can face your Goliaths. You can face your challenges. You can fight. And in reality, the story of David and Goliath is the story of us cowering, right? Because my sin is something I can't defeat. Because I will die one day, and the people around me will die one day, and the people I love will die one day. And there is no hope in that the way it is. And God sends his champion... Jesus, right, his champion, Jesus, to face off against sin and death, and he defeats sin and death, as good as dead, stepping out on the battlefield against, you know, Andre the giant, Goliath, and then victorious, and this morning we are talking about victory, right, because what the empty tomb is, what Easter morning is, is it is victory on our behalf. It is, I cannot overcome my sin. I cannot overcome my failure. I carry my shame. I carry my guilt. I fear the death that's coming and the punishment that I deserve. And Christ Jesus wins a victory on my behalf. And we're actually going to look at some text this morning. Um, We're going to start in 1 Samuel. So the battle is won, and they come back, and what happens is, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Andre the giant Goliath, right? The women came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs and with uh, timbrels, which I assume are like tambourines, um, if only TJ was here, and lyres, which are a lot like guitars. um, And they danced and they sang Saul has slain thousands, David his ten thousands. And we would dance and sing this morning and say, he is risen. All right, just making sure we're all still awake. Um, So what happens here is really interesting. Um, It is an example of a custom. And actually, you can go through the whole Old Testament and you can find this happening over and over again, where a victorious army would come home And the women of the nation would come out and announce the victory. They would come out and they would sing and they would shout and they would spread the news that, like, God's army was victorious, right? And so these women are going out and they're singing and they're proclaiming the victory and they're doing this. And actually, we see this in the Psalms. Um, We're looking at Psalm 68. Uh, we're going to do 10 to 13, though the important one, I believe, is 11. Um, Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. 
the Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. And so what's going on in this psalm, right? The Lord announces the word, and the women proclaim it. Who proclaim it are a mighty throng, right? Um, He is risen. Very good, Josh. I heard you that time. Um, What's going on here is um, this is sort of a mirror image of what happens over and over again. A victory is won, and the women come out and sing and celebrate and announce it, right? It is a great victory, every time a great victory, every time. And there's all kinds of argument among scholars as to which one this is pointing to. There are some folks who say, oh, well, this is about Deborah. And there's some folks who say this is about David. And there's some folks that say this is about this or that. Because there are so many examples of women going out and announcing these great victories. So we're going to flash forward to the book of Luke. Um, This is on the third day. So Christ has been crucified. Um, He has been, you know, the disciples and like a lot of his followers are expecting a glorious military uprising and a defeat of the Roman bad guys and like the the wiping away of the, the evil forces of the world and the replacement of God's kingdom into it which will be a kingdom of of power and strength for the Jewish people. And they are all excited. And then Jesus is arrested. And then he is put on trial. And then he is scourged publicly. And then he is beaten and mocked. And a crown of thorns is jammed on his head. And they present him in a joking way. Here is your king. And... Like the the Jewish people shout and scream, we have no king but Caesar, because they don't want God to be their king. They're so obsessed with their own sin. And it's easy to be that guy who says, oh man, what a bunch of jerks. But in reality, every time I choose my flesh over, like the spirit prompting me, I'm in that crowd. So Christ has been crucified. The disciples have fled. They're in shame, figuring out what to do next. And they're mourning the death, of, the death of Jesus. Like this man they saw performing miracles. This man they were pretty sure was God. And they're like, what do we do now? On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So what they're doing, um, in the ancient world, you would not bury a body in the ground because there ain't all that much ground. And it ain't all that nice, right? Like, it's amazing people fight over Israel because it is a big, rocky, dusty, dry, nasty place. It is just like, and there's so, it's so not nice, there's nowhere to put dead people. And so what they do is they carve caves out and they put dead bodies in them and they cover them up and they wait about a year for the bones to, like, become just bones. And then they go and they collect the bones up and they put them in a box called an ossuary and they put it in storage somewhere because there are only so many graves and you've got to reuse them, which is a very thrifty way of dealing with the world. Um, I hope to end up in a coffee can one day. Um, he died as he lived in a coffee can. So they arrive at the tomb. So they go, they have these spices. And so what they're going to do is they're going to treat the body with spices so that when it decays, 
it doesn't stink as bad, right? And it was a common practice. You would cover up the smell because you'd have to walk by these tombs and, well, you know, I mean, we've all walked past our kids' rooms and we know what it's like to have to deal with that smell. Um, and so they go out with these spices. Jesus was hastily buried and so he was minimally, minimally prepared. Um, they go to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So they arrive, and this, this stone, which, by the way, the way this would be, it would be a little, like, carved out, like, door, and the stone would be a giant disc that would weigh several tons, and it would be on a groove, and, like, a really good tomb, which this is, right, because it's Joseph of Arimathea, who's a rich guy. He has this tomb, and you would, like, have a, have a pin or something that would block it in, and the stone would roll down the groove and cover the hole, and when it was time to move it back, you would get, like, 15 guys, and you would pull it back, right? And so they're figuring out, and actually some of the other Gospels show, you know, mention that as they're going there, they're like, how are we even going to get into the tomb to treat the body? Like, this is ridiculous. So they get there, and the tomb is open, and the body is gone. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. (laughs) Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified, and on the third day he would be raised again. And then they remembered his words. So, what has just happened is the Lord has proclaimed his victory to a crowd of women, right? And what are the women going to do? They're going to go announce it. When, these, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. So they go and they announce, he is risen. Not only did they say, we saw an angel, and the angel told us he rose. They're announcing the victory, and it's not just any victory. It is the victory to end all victories, right? It is the victory over death. So when my body breaks down eventually, when I stop breathing, when, you know, my, my family or my loved ones or whoever, I know this is not forever because this world is not my home. I will come back. I will be resurrected. All of us will. All of us will stand together in the flesh and blood, body, breathing, the whole nine yards before the Lord, and we'll together proclaim and worship and sing, and we'll say with great joy, He is risen. That was my Southern Baptist moment. He is risen. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You guys are not very good Southern Baptists. Well, we're not Southern Baptists. Um, (laughs) Carry on. You're all thinking about pancakes, I know. So the women go and they proclaim this victory. They proclaim this, this, this thing. David has killed Goliath, but not just any Goliath, the Goliath, right? 
the, the sin that enslaves us, the, the shame that keeps our faces hidden, the, the, um, the fear that keeps us from turning to God because we know that if God knows who I am and what I've done, I'm in trouble. He was punished for our wickedness. He was, he was wounded for our iniquity. Like he was whipped and beaten and, and, and bled for us. And then he stepped out alive on the third day. But they did not believe the women <laughs> because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I am not going to make a joke right now. Yes, there it is. Some things never change. I was going to say something about a broken clock, but whatever. Uh, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Um, so they, they announced this victory, and everybody stands around like, is this even possible? Um, the way that some of the Gospels read this uh, or, or translate this, or the way that some, like, uh, some people carry the Greek out from the different Gospels, um, is they were afraid to believe for joy. Because they were like, it's too good to be true, right? It is too good to be true that we won, that he won on our behalf, that he has slain our enemy, that we are victorious. First Corinthians, the first time I'm going to reference it today, right? Because this is, I realize I was telling folks, I use this chapter every Easter, I have nine consecutive Easter's referenced or preached on this text. Uh, and so you can call me on it again next year if you remember, uh, those of you who are still awake. Um, because 1 Corinthians basically proclaims like the truth that he is risen. A little louder, Josh. <laughs> so this is 15, 55 to 57. And this whole chapter is about the resurrection. Because the church there is arguing about whether or not the dead are raised in the end. And Paul lights into this and he says, hey, guys, Christ is risen, so everyone rises. He is the very first, the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the first one. It, it is the truth because Christ is risen. And so when the perishable has been clothed in the imperishable, what that means is when my dying body when my temporary self, when my decaying form puts on the imperishable like a suit, right? When I put on eternity, when I am made whole and perfect, when, when our loved ones, when our, our, our um, brothers and sisters in Christ, when they put on the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gave us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Easter morning is when we remember it, right? Is when we remember that, that the women of Israel first announced the great victory, right? David is slaying Goliath. 
Christ has slain death. He is risen. Good job, Titus. We're going to close in prayer. We're going to eat breakfast early, um, assuming it's ready. <laughs> Thanks for the Southern Baptist moment. That was supposed to be amen, Josh. Try it, try it better next time. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that Christ is risen. Thank you so much that he has poured out his blood for me, that, that he died for me when I was still helpless, when I was still a sinner, when I was still wicked and, and faithless, Lord, when I was your enemy. Thank you that Christ died for me. Thank you that he went out and he faced an enemy I couldn't hope to fight. Um, while I cowered in the camp and, and for fear of my life refused to stand up, thank you that Christ stepped out onto the battlefield. Thank you that, that he slayed my enemy. Thank you that, that he has taken my sin on his back. And thank you that he has risen, that I might know that, that, that death is not the end. Thank you so much. Bless this time we have this morning. Help us to reflect on it. Help us to keep our hearts and minds focused on it. Help us to, to be in your presence today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And he is risen.